This is the Horse Radio Network. I am Maggie Herlinski. And I am Audrey Sears. And you are listening to the monthly side saddle episode of Horses in the Morning on the Horse Radio Network for August 2nd, 2022, episode 2987. This episode is brought to you on the first Tuesday of every month by the American Side Saddle Association and Wansi and Nut Butter. Good morning, Horse World. On today's show, we'll be talking to Shirley Gentry and Gail Orr about costuming and parades, which is my favorite part of riding aside. We'll also have our word of the day and where in the world is Maggie? I have a daily Winnie. My daily Winnie goes out to Samantha Reeves, one of our auditors, and Angel on Earth. Oh, my God. She did, she did such amazing. an amazing job organizing our group for Briarfest. And our group, honestly, we're like herding cats. And, <laughs> and because, it was a mess. It was glitter yeah, it was. and a mess. <laughs> yeah. And because we were a last-minute add-in, she got voluntold that she had to work inventory at her job mm-hmm. every day. At her regular day job, yeah. Four in the morning every day. And then go to the Kentucky Horse Park and deal with all of us. Yep. But Still showed up, rode, looked amazing. She was an yep. amazing mermaid. And, and she didn't a kill snow anybody. queen, ice princess. Yep. No, nope, she didn't. She didn't. No. didn't kill anybody. It was, it was a good weekend. <laughs> Hectic, but it was a good weekend. <laughs> It was a long weekend. So, Maggie, uh, we have a word of the day. Do you care to share with us what that is? Okay. Our word of the day is safe. No, not anything kinky. Not like a safe word. It's part of of a side saddle. It's the part of the saddle that's at at the front of the near side skirt. Okay. If you're looking at a side saddle, you know, one side's bigger than the other. The part in the front is the safe. It's the part that goes under... Your right calf. And yeah, it kind of looks like on a regular English saddle, a knee roll. Like it's yeah. even padded. Yeah. 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 Um, and it, I think they call it the safe because it, the way I remember it anyway, it keeps your clothing safe from the horse's sweat. And I think that was the original oh, purpose. Yeah, the original purpose of it back in the day. Um, and it's just lasted because it's a great idea. Okay. I was like, it makes the saddle almost longer on that side. It it's really is it's just kind of an extra piece of leather hanging out over there for your leg to rest on. Yeah, and it for first-time side saddle riders, it can be deceiving because you think you need to move your saddle back mm-hmm. because of that big part. But no, it it lays over your over your horse's shoulder. The yeah. tree still goes where the tree would go on a normal saddle. Um, some safes can be really fancy. Um. Some of the ones from the mid 1800s um, up into some of the catalog saddles of the early 1900s would have had um, suede or padding, um, fancy stitching, fancy tooling. Um, the fox hunting side saddles that came a little bit later were plainer. Some of them still had a little bit of padding under them. Um, mm-hmm. But the majority of them is just plain flat leather, which I kind of prefer because I don't like a whole lot of bulk under my leg. Mm. But that 
but that's the safe. Yeah, I think my champion in Wilton is a flat, flat leather in front of it. But it is, it's that extra kind of like a knee roll. Several of the saddles I've been seeing have kind of that extra padding. Virginia, the uh, 1890s saddle that I helped put back together, it's got a nice thick pad there in the yeah. front um, where your leg rests on. It's definitely yeah. a thicker. Some of them have a even, yeah, it is like a roll at the front edge to try to encourage your leg mm-hmm. to stay where it's supposed to be instead of sneaking up your horse's shoulder. Yeah. So. Yeah. And you're right. It is. It does make it difficult when you're trying to set a side saddle on your horse. It's easier to tack up from the wrong side. You have to be on the off side of the horse because then you can see where the tree is actually going to sit with that shoulder because that safe. It really does mess with your eyes when you're trying to tack up. Yeah. So we'd like to take a moment here to thank one of our sponsors. Once again, Nut Butter. Once again, Nut Butter is an employee-owned company that manufactures sunflower seed, cashew, tahini, almond, and peanut butters. They are dedicated to quality products and environmental sustainability. So feel good while you eat well. Once again, nutbutter.com. And now it's time to welcome our first guest, Shirley Gentry from Lexington, Kentucky, or I guess she's closer to Paris. Anyway. Shirley is a costumer for the horse park. (laughs) At least that's what you're best known for, I think, is uh, the costuming part of the Kentucky Horse Park. So, Shirley, can you tell us a little bit about how you got started in that? Absolutely. Well, to take it way back, the first horses I made costumes for were my model horses. And that was way before Briarfest became a thing. And when I became older and had my own horses, I would make them costumes for, you know, costume classes at horse shows. And uh, this caught the eye of the some of the folks at the Kentucky Horse Park, and I knew some of them because I was on the education board at the time, which is 40 years ago. And uh, one of the people that was involved in the parade of breeds at the horse park called me and said, you know, look, can you come in and talk about our costuming? I said, sure, and gave them a list of about 10 different costumes that would fit in the horses that they had at the time. But what they wanted was a knight and charger outfit. And so 40 years ago, I made uh, my first night and charger outfit for the Kentucky Horse Park Parade of Breeds, and I've made a total of five for them so far, and I want to make it number six, too. But uh, <laughs> interestingly enough, with when I got paid for the first night and charger costume, I went out and bought a side saddle with, with my profits. <laughs> but, uh, oh, that's awesome. But uh, since since then, I, I do maybe one, maybe two, maybe no costumes for them. And uh, I've, I've tried to get a couple that uh, fit in with Kentucky. Like we've got uh, a lady that wears the Frontier Nursing Service uniform, which is a group of nor- nurses on horseback that, that were in eastern Kentucky um, during uh, about uh, during the 30s and so forth. And uh, other horses, you know, the breed suggests what would be good to go with, you know, what would be an appropriate costume. And sometimes the riders want something or they're having exhibit at the museum and they want something to tie in with that. So I, I've made a number of costumes for them. And as a result of that, I was contacted 
by uh, Kentu- uh, Central Kentucky Riding for Hope, which is a therapeutic riding program that's located at the Kentucky Horse Park. And I was somewhat acquainted with them already because I volunteer at their tax sale every year. And they were doing a gala and thought it would be fun to have the children and the horses and costumes and uh, have a you know presentation as a fund at their fundraiser. So I've made like over a hundred costumes for them, and that and also I still make things for my own horses too. So all in all, I've probably made a couple hundred costumes for either horse or rider in the last forty years. Oh, that's, that's awesome! Amazing. I, I so, love your costumes. You have oh, so much you. fun They're with amazing. Them. So what's been your favorite costume you've ever done? Uh, a butterfly costume. It's a monarch butterfly, and there's a blanket that goes on the horse, and I made a jacket to go with that myself for myself. And um, I've used it on a couple of horses, and my favorite is uh, I had a Frisian horse that the horse park retired and sent to me to take care of. I loved him dearly, and he, he was my favorite butterfly horse. Uh, and the ones that the horse park has, uh, my favorite has probably been the uh, knight in charger outfit that where the horse is like a dragon and the cape that the rider wears is like the, the wings of the dragon. So they, you know, flow in the in the breezes, they canter around the rings. And that one's 26 years old. I'd love to replace that one. But that, I, I think that one's probably got a whole lot of use. It's probably been used thousands of times in the last 25 years. Well, it's one held up th- well. I got to see it go past <laughs> our barn uh, while we were at Briarfest. And I'm like, oh, I remember that costume. Shirley made that one. She's going to be here tomorrow. <laughs> That's neat. I love it when when you know people mention that they've seen the seen the costumes. The the horse park is doing a commercial now that includes uh, riders in the breeds barn. I went, oh, there's my dress. <laughs> I realized it was a horse park commercial. I had made them a, a red dress with gold flowers in a Spanish kind of uh, medieval attitude and, and uh, they've been using that in all their advertising this year and and it, it thrills me to see see that out there and people seeing it i love when people see see the work and understand it hopefully gives them a better understanding of of the horse that they're looking at and um, you know and the riders feel like feel good while they're wearing it like they, it's fun for them or they feel feel like it's a pretty outfit and you know attracts attention so that's i enjoy that a great deal one of the things that i've been doing lately is um making stall banners for the hall of champions and um oh wow they they, they have a, like a blanket bar and all the stalls and we've been making um like a fake fake blanket it's just like a you know a, a, a quilt that's overlapped and then it's got embroidered with a horse's breed and his name and one of the things it's best known for and so when you go into the barn there's this banner in the horse in the the colors that the horse raced under 
with 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 that information and they've got some wind pictures displayed and stuff so uh, I, I like that too because it adds some color to the barn and helps people recognize the horses and understand why they're there what they're famous for that's cool so let's talk you've done a lot of historical costuming too haven't you i have i i was really into that at one time Let's and, talk a little uh, bit about the, what's the difference between the different levels of historical correctness, because I, I we see all sorts of things. Boy, that's the truth. <laughs> when I first started, I said, you know, do you want this to be historically correct? And, and, and I would do things that did not involve Velcro and, uh, you know, that, that, and that really didn't work. I ended up um, having to compromise on a lot of things to get easy care fabrics and um, make it easy, fast and easy to get on and off. And um, it just, thing, that's for our own use. Um, all that being said, that I've made a couple of historic costumes that have been used in the museum settings, and those are much more correct. And, uh, you know, you've got they 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 could go to any historic reenactment and be accepted <laughs> excuse me um your fabric is is part of what makes it more historically correct uh you you choose a fabric that not only the fiber but the color that was available and hopefully correct at that time uh, which is odd because um people you say, oh, well, I, I, here it's wool, but it's like fuchsia or something. And they didn't have dyes for that during the Civil War period. And so you're like, no, I don't think so. Um, the way it's fastened is one of the one of the things that I budge on for like for the once for the horse park, because back in the day, they uh, had they didn't have zippers and. Uh, one of the costumes that I did that I was really pleased with was a Russian Cossack uniform. And I knew that the uh, it's the Imperial Guard, you know, pre-revolution, and it's red with all kinds of gold and silver trim on it. And uh, it's got like these wooden bullets in a casement that goes across the rider's chest in a, in a shield with chains on them. And, it, it, you know, it's got the little... Uh, for cap and so forth <coughs> excuse me i went to the i called the the metropolitan museum of art in new york because i knew they had an original on file and asked them if i could come up and look at it examine it and that's they they were kind enough to let me in i had to talk to three or four people and the last lady that said sure come on she says well i figure if you got Far enough to talk to me that it was okay, that you must be okay. But uh, she, uh, they brought out the Cossack uniform, and it was red wool with the gold and silver braided trims and the wooden bullets and in, in this shield made out of velvet on the chest. And at the time, the horse park had a, a, a horse that hailed from Russia, and so I made that for them. And I'm sure it was hot, and there was there was an, a white cotton undergarment that went under that, and I was very happy with that. I, I was delighted that 
you know, they let me in and copy from an original. And so that one, except for the zipper, uh, had a pretty high <laughs> uh, range of authenticity. The original one had hook and loop fasteners on it to close the front of it. And every other one was a hook and the, every other one was a loop. And so you had to go back and forth, back and forth to fasten up the Jeez. front of this coat. So that's not going to work at the horse park. People want to get out there and they got to get their horse ready. They need to get dressed quick and, you know, get out there for the show. So that was one that did was fairly authentic. But there's a lot of people that do historic reenactments or characterizations that want something to wear. And they have different levels of comfort in terms of historic things besides the fabric and the trims and so forth. You know, if people show up, I, I made a Celtic, ancient Celtic costume for the horse park once and the woman went who used it wore like her hipster eyeglasses. <laughs> I'm like, uh, it just kind of does, and I've seen this at you know Civil War reenactments and stuff. And um, one thing is another thing is that I'll go to a reenactment and they'll have footwear that was definitely not of the period. You know, have the big neoprene soles and stuff, or the the, the uh, sneakers on, or something like that, and. Just, you know, it doesn't, really doesn't work, or they'll wear jewelry that isn't period appropriate, and or wear a modern hairstyle and, and makeup, and... It, it, you have to it, do a lot of research. That's true, if you want to. There's some the, people that are happy with whatever, and they really yeah. are. There's, there's like Hollywood, correct? There's historically authentic which would be like the fabric the the construction of the garment yes. the color everything is a hundred percent and then there's good from 10 feet <laughs> which would be a correct that. pattern and probably correct fabric but yeah my good from 10 10 feet garments are like the construction is modern. I use a machine for everything because I hate hand sewing. My buttoned holes are probably machine done. But, I, I, you know. I used to belong to um, the Lexington Vintage Dance Society. And we had a Civil War era dance troupe that would go out. And they... Uh, they, 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 the people that would come to these balls were, were just, you know, picky, picky, picky. They'd look at your buttons and they'd look for, you know, the. We like call those authentic Nazis. <laughs> well, they're, they're they're out there, and I've met a few of them, and a lot for a lot of people. I think that they start out at a certain level, and as they learn more about. Re reenactment and historic costuming and stuff they work to improve their costume and other people just don't care there, there's one lady that was a, a sewing teacher or something that was going to Cherryville which is a big Civil War era reenactment in Kentucky and she showed me her pattern and I said well you know people 
there have more authentic patterns. I said, this one has got a zipper on it, and it, which you, you won't see in the back of a dress until like the 1950s or something. And um, also the, the way that the pattern is cut with the shoulders and the sleeves and so forth is not appropriate, will not be consistent with what you're going to see at the, at the reenactment. And, and she got mad. I said, well, oh, you know, it's, it's, it's up to her. She's the one that's going to go there and people will tell her that. You know, oh yeah. They will not. That, that some of those, right. those reenactors do not hesitate to tell you what you did wrong. <laughs> and then some well, of them, it's like, it's kind of like that Southern bless your heart. It's like, right. well, you did, you, you, you certainly did try. Oh. <laughs> Gee, thanks. <laughs> So in an earlier episode, in an earlier episode, we talked about um, aprons for side saddle and because of safety, they had to be open in the back. And we're talking about period uh, correctness here. Do you think it's easier or harder to make a costume for side saddle specifically? Uh, I won't say it's easier or harder, but there is a lot of tailoring that goes into the jackets that... I think needs to be fairly precise. And if you're going to do a certain period, whether you're mounted or not, um, you get into period undergarments, mainly corsets and stuff. And there's uh, one fellow that told me that he worked at a historic village where they had like 1820s or something like that. He says, you know, the women just never looked right in their costumes until we got them into corsets. And a lot of the side saddle habits are very tightly fit. And, um, you know, the, the undergarments give structure to it. And uh, that, that's, that's part of the, the, you know, historic impact of it. But uh, the aprons, I think, are embraced by women you know that, that ride aside and we've kind of found ways to get around it i've got one skirt that i made for riding side saddle but it's got velcro all up and down one of the seams and so hopefully if it got hung up on a pommel and when i took a flyer that it would just come undone and so that's my version of the safety aspect of a skirt but um you know, it, it, even with the aprons, I put Velcro in them. And I've got another skirt that I made for riding side saddle. And I made a really big opening on on the hip and put a bandage pin on it. So if I fell off or got hung up, the bandage pin would give way and well, I'd be turned sense. loose, I hope. So, yeah. you know, people try different things, but I, I really like the research that goes into doing historic costuming. I haven't done yeah. that in a while, but that's always a lot of fun to learn about that. I've got one last question. And yes. It's more historic stuff. Um, the purpose of the costume, like I've seen several ladies riding side saddle in these gorgeous dresses, Uh huh. but they have a bustle. <laughs> and they carry a parasol. Okay. And you know, it, yes, their their costume might be meticulously researched, but they researched a walking dress or a day oh, well, dress. 
and That's not true. something a lady would ride in. Well, <sighs> there's a certain group of women that did not have as expansive a wardrobe to include uh, a, a specific riding out habit. They, they just had their, their, their day clothes. And then, but the women you've just described probably have very rich fabrics and so forth. And that, that might be something they would be better suited riding in a carriage than horseback with the, yes. the umbrella. And I, I don't think that a bustle or hip panniers or, or, or God forbid, uh, the, the hoops on a skirt <laughs> have any place on, on, on horseback. I heard one horror story where some lady was riding side saddle uh, with a uh, with a, a hoop skirt. And first of all, I don't know how in the world she got it arranged on the horse. You can't even but... sit in a chair in a hoop skirt. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, her, her, her one of her uh, hoops got ha- caught on a fence post or something and yanked her right off. <laughs> oh my you know, like, goodness. Okay. That, that's oh. a pretty good cautionary tale. Yeah. But, you know, the, the, these uh, manner of, of undergarments that are made to get, give form to various streetwear or, or uh, dresses that wealthy women would wear during different parts weren't part of their riding attire. Yeah. So it's it's just leave those for the ballroom or your walking dress or whatever. But anyway, that's all the time we have right now, Shirley. Thank you so much for being on the show. Um, From both Audrey and I, thank you so much. We appreciate you taking your time out of your day to, to talk with us this morning. The American Side Saddle Association was formed in 2008 to preserve, promote, and expand the elegance and historical art of riding side saddle. The ASA wishes to promote enthusiasm for side saddle riding among the equestrian public. The American Side Saddle Association is a network of over 20 regional side saddle clubs located throughout the nation. The association supports all forms of riding and rider safety. We honor the women who came before us but are inclusive of all people throughout society. We hold regular clinics and participate in parades and demonstrations around the United States. Find us on Facebook or AmericanSideSaddleAssociation.com. So our second interview for today is uh, Miss Gail Orr, and she happens to be my president of our American Side Saddle Association uh, chapter, I guess, with the Western New York Side Saddle chapter. And so, Gail, how are you doing today? I'm well, thank you, Audrey. I'm happy to be here. Awesome. Well, we were talking about parades today and costuming, and I know that you and Miss Bunny your pretty pony, have been working extremely hard about getting ready for uh, some parades. So I thought maybe you would like to share a little bit of what you've been doing recently with her and what your goal might be with that. Yeah, sure. So my horse, Bunny, is an off-track standard bred mare. She's a little bit older. She's 18. Um, Before I got her, she had about 10 rides on her. I mean, she did pull a sulky, so transitioning to carrying a rider wasn't a big deal for her. Um, 
And I, I got her last October and my first parade with her was actually in December, just a couple months later. Um, you know, I, I really got, got her with the idea that I wanted to ride side saddle in parades. And I was really looking for a horse that would be good for that. Um, while I have a number of horses at home, um, I didn't really feel that most of my horses would be appropriate for a side saddle riding in a parade. And I think, you know, evaluating what kind of a horse you want to ride in a parade is, is key in being safe. Um, so I really went looking for a horse that I could use for that. And you've also got to well, think about helpful. the safety of the crowd too, not oh, just absolutely. you. Yeah, absolutely. Um, and, and I got to tell you the first period I took her in, I was pretty, I was pretty nervous. I mean, she exhibited the temperament that I was looking for. You know, I was really looking for that horse that, in spite of being afraid, would look to me for guidance on how to get through a situation and just wouldn't, you know, come unglued, you know, in the event that they got upset over something. Um, and crowd safe, safety in general is something that I'm always concerned about. Um, Audrey has ridden in a few parades with me and she knows that that's one thing that I'm constantly, you know, uh, looking at and spectator safety is one of those things, right? Like we don't want anyone that's riding in one of our parades to approach the crowd, especially if there's kids wearing flip-flops, you know, we don't, we don't want a horse stepping on anybody. We definitely want, don't want a horse, you know, reacting in such a way that they might, you know, go into the crowd or something, you know, God forbid something like that were to happen. Um, Yeah. When we're talking about side saddle, um, when we're riding, you know, safety really is a big concern just in general, just riding side saddle. There, There's a lot of differences happening all at once with that and riding in parades. So what's been your experience, Gail? Has, has riding side saddle been easier or harder in a parade, do you think? Well, you know, Audrey, the first parade that I did I really had no expectations that I would be successful. And I think probably the first three or four parades that I did, I didn't have any expectations of success. I hoped we would be successful. Um, and, you know, I, I never rushed my horse's training. And so what I mean by that is I really have spent the last several months just listening to what my horse can and can't do. So, you know, we've done probably seven or eight parades, I think, so far this summer. Plus, we did a couple last winter um, around Christmas time. And so the very first few parades I went to, I went with the idea of like, okay, if my horse can do this, then great. I'll ride to the parade. If she can't and she has a total meltdown, I'll just put her right back on the horse trailer. If she can sort of handle it and she's dancing and prancing, but she's pushing through any anxiety, you know, my husband came with me with a lead rope to like clip onto her to like hand walk her through the parade if that's what was required. And the first parade I picked was extremely short so that, you know, I didn't want a two mile long parade. And then I have a horse that's come unglued. And then, you know, there's all of the stimulation that's going on and it's just going to keep escalating as, you know, the distance, you know, uh, prolong, you know, gets more prolonged, but 
The first time I wrote her side saddle on a parade was actually very recently. It was at the Genesee Country Museum. They were having a 4th of July parade. It was a Civil War um, inspired event, you know, from that time period, I should say. And that's the first time I actually rode her side saddle in a parade. And I picked that one because there were no fire trucks. Um, you know, there weren't going to be, you know, revving engines and motorcycles and, you know, all of the kind of the crazy thing, balloon carts, you know, all the kinds of things you see at a parade. I figured that one would be pretty low key. Um, and I'd ask the the coordinator, you know, were they going to have any cannon fire or gunshots at this parade, you know, because it was a Civil War reenactment type of thing. And they confirmed that there would not be. So I really felt like that would be the good first sort of side saddle parade to take her in. And she she did extraordinarily well. Um, and, and I, you know, I really went in knowing she would be because she had already demonstrated in like six previous parades what her temperament was. And, you know, the first two or three parades, she didn't want to really halt well or stand well. And I think the most important gate in a parade is the halt. You know, can they stand there and just be still for a mm-hmm. little bit? So she was showing that she she was able to, you know, stand in, you know, stand in the middle of a crowd with a lot of commotion and marching bands, you know, kind of around her and and was quiet. So I felt like, okay, we can now try, you know, try side saddle. Yeah. And I I tend to agree with you, at least around here, there is a lot of stopping um in parades that more yeah. than I was expecting, honestly. That's every but I don't know though. how much of that is Oh really? I was gonna say yeah. I don't know how much of that <laughs> is is just because here in New York it seems like they always put horses last um mm-hmm. just for safety and so on. And so you've got, you know, they got a bunch of people that, you know, want to dance around safety. or do whatever. Nobody wants to march behind the so. horses. <laughs> yeah, plus Right. Plus they drop manure. Right. And even if you have someone scooping up after the horses, there's still going to be residual, you know, residue on the ground and nobody wants to walk through that. Um, Even even parades where they they mix the horses in with other units and have pooper scoopers. um, Mm -hmm. There's delays. We got held up at Kentucky Derby Festival once because a balloon crash, you know, one of those giant helium balloons. Yep. Um, what? Deflated and crashed in the middle of the yeah in the middle oh, of the street, oh like a couple blocks ahead of us, and they had to hold up the entire parade while they folded it back up and got it off the street. So we stood there for probably mm. fifteen twenty minutes with yeah. bored, anxious horses because we had just stepped onto the parade route and we're like, "Well, here we are in front of thousands of people doing nothing." Awesome. Right. I mean, I really think that that your horse being able to halt and stand there for a long period of time is really critical. Like, you know, if you have a hot horse and they're dancing and prancy, they, you know, they may not be the right horse to, to do parades, you know? And, and I think, you know, that might be a question people ask, can I trade, can I train like any horse to be a parade horse? And, and I think my response to that is, could you train any horse to be a police horse? Well, that answer is, you know, definitively no. So I think not every horse is suited to doing parades. And, you know, so I think, you know, making sure that you have a horse that can stand quietly um, and and is okay with being bored and is okay being bored with a lot of stimulation going on around them. I mean, it almost sounds like, well, how does any (laughs) horse, you know, how could any horse do that? Right. But, but they, but surprisingly, you know, there are a lot of horses that can do that and 
Mm-hmm. And I think the selection process is is really important. And you, um, and you need to know enough. your you need to know your venue. Yeah. Like the parade yeah. you're going to. Okay, Kentucky Derby Parade. We know there is a freight train that is going to go over the parade route at precisely 515 every day. <laughs> and our unit will be under the railroad tracks when it goes by every year. Never Too fails. Many. Um, you know, although this year, be- this year we managed to miss it though. So because, well, they had the parade on Sunday this year and that threw it off. So, you know, and our horses are like, I don't like this, but you tell me to stand here. I'm going to stand here. Right. And, and I, sh- yeah. In Chicago, think- we have the L, which is a whole different, I mean, it's still a train, but it's sounds different. And, you know, our good parade horses, they're like, well, that's annoying. And they walk on. You know, and I think that speaks to like desensitizing. Like I was at a parade where there were 20 antique tractors and they were sputtering and popping and making all these kind of crazy noises. And I can't simulate that in training at home on my farm. You know, I do a lot, you know, getting started, I did a lot of desensitization type training with my horse, you know, with umbrellas and, you know, police sirens and all kinds of sort of things like that, that I was able to simulate on my farm, but I can't simulate 20 antique tractors and I definitely can't simulate a train going over my horse's head. But what I can do, we had a hot air balloon gondola in front of us at the Kentucky Derby one year, shooting flames 50 feet into the air. Right, right. But what you can do, though, is that desensitizing training really helps develop that relationship so that if your horse is experiencing something that's frightening, that they're looking to you, right, that they're looking to you to help them get through it and to comfort them through it. And I think, right, you know, that's what, you know, that's what the selection process is all about. You know, are you picking a horse that looks to you if they're if they're in trouble, you know? Yeah, I agree. I think that kind of, to me, it plays into side saddle when you say that, Gail, because historically side saddle horses were always, you know, we always kind of joke and call them husband horses now. Um, You know, they historically were a more quiet, saner horse when you gave them to a lady to ride side saddle. And I, so when I think parades, I think of a side saddle horse. I think something quiet. I think something to sensitize something exactly what you said, Gail, about being bored. Um, when you, you know, when you need them to be and not care about anything around them, I think that just makes them even better for side saddle, honestly. Well, you know, the first parade I took my horse in, I actually, I don't know if you remember this, Audrey, but I borrowed your horse. So, um, you know, we had what I'm going to call a support horse team, you know, so like police policemen, when they train their horses, they train their horses in groups. You know, they, they use herd mentality to help train the horse. So when they have a green horse, they'll partner it up with a couple of horses that are quiet. And so the first parade that I took my horse to, I actually had borrowed your horse and Susanna Richardson actually rode your horse and I rode bunny. And then I brought another horse that I have named pumpkin. She's a little pony, but pumpkin is one of those bomb proof horses that she's done a million shows. She's sort of seen it all yet had never been in a parade. And it was really your horse, Nancy, that was a comfort horse to, to bunny. 
And then Bunny also had another support horse in my pony pumpkin. So I think having support horses is really critical when you're first training a horse to be ready for a parade, right? Where they have other horses that they're familiar with and maybe not even necessarily fully familiar with, but that are non-reactive. You know, I remember you were riding side saddle on a parade, Audrey. I don't know if you remember this. Um, and a huge umbrella table had tipped over and the giant umbrella came like shooting out towards the road, like right towards your horse. And your horse was like completely non-reactive, like didn't <laughs> even bat an eye about that. And I remember seeing that table coming towards me because I was riding right ahead of you. And I'm like, oh my God, and this is how Gail dies. And, you know, but, <laughs> but like, because, you know, Nancy was like non-reactive, my horse, Bunny was like, oh, well, I don't need to worry about that. You know, Nancy's not reacting. So therefore there must not be anything to worry about. And, you know, and I think, you know, having a, a solid parade horse in your lineup or a few of them, or having those support horses in your lineup can be critical when training a new horse to parades. Do you remember that? That was crazy. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. I mostly remember on the way back, we haven't to go. Um, we have to go uh, that what five lane highway that we had to go across and everybody's like, well, I don't know what to do. And I was kind of like, well, Nancy will go out there. <laughs> Well, you know, that's, but. that's really a really valid point is that sometimes the most, imp the most difficult part of the parade is getting safely back to your horse trailer because they don't always close oh, yeah. down, keep the roads closed. So like yeah. you're going past Harley Davidson's and, you know, oh, oh. all-terrain vehicles. And I was in Minneapolis with, um, the Minnesota side saddle group. Um, they're not active now, but there were like seven of us. All side saddle, you know, matching outfits. It was a night parade, so we had lights around the horses' necks. We had glitter on the hooves, you know, because, you know, it's us, glitter. <laughs> we had to wait at a stoplight for the light rail train to go by. And the horses are just standing there watching, waiting for the train to go by. And the people on the train are like, did you see that? <laughs> all these horses did and then the horses are just waiting for the train to go by and as soon as the light the horses learned by the time we made it the how many thousand of miles back to the trailers that we would yell red light and green light and they would either stop or go just like the yeah. kids game the horses learned green light charge through the intersection and get through before the light changes well, it was great fun you know i remember we did a parade in Dansville and you know, there were, it was, you know, all the fire trucks and marching bands and police sirens and all, all the stuff. And the, we get to the end of the parade and we're riding our horses back to where the trailers were parked. And my horse was 100% perfect through the whole parade. I mean, you could not have asked for a better parade horse. And then she shied at a mailbox. And I'm like, really? You're going to like be upset over the mailbox? Like you just went through, you know, hell's <laughs> half acre here and like you're afraid of a mailbox. So, it's just, you know, they're horses. They're, they can act unpredictably. Um, but I think what we can do is, as riders is just, you know, temper our expectations and then they won't disappoint you. You know, I think if you have these high expectations, you start to create all this rider anxiety for yourself. And, you know, that yeah. rider anxiety is, is real. Um, you know, your mind starts to sort of wander and you start to ruminate on things that, 
Yeah, your no. biggest expectation should be neither one of us is going to end up in the hospital. Well, you know, anything, I, I think, anything better than that is a good day. <laughs> well, I think when I went into the, a few of my very first parades, my attitude was, well, we may not be able to do this parade at all today, and that's okay. You know, today is going to be a training day for my horse. We're going to do what we can. And then, you know, the first couple of parades I did, I was, I was nervous. I'm human. Um, but I just reminded myself, you know, I make good decisions and if this, if things aren't going well, I'm just going to take my horse back to the trailer and, and we'll try again another day and we'll go back to more desensitizing training on the farm, you know, but I think having a good internal dialogue can really, can really help with that. Um, you know, from an emotional intelligence standpoint, you know, anxiety comes from a story that we're telling ourselves, right? So like, if you're afraid of something and fear can come so quickly, you don't even know what that internal story is, right? But there is something that we're saying to ourselves, like, I'm afraid that if I ride in this parade, my horse is going to wig out, jump into the crowd, or I'm going to fall off and make a fool out of myself or whatever that is. And it's triggering this emotion called fear. And the way to combat that is we have to tell ourselves a different internal story. And that might actually come with a mantra. So like, I don't know if you knew this about me, but 10 years ago, I used to do a lot of triathlons, Maggie, and I used to run marathons. And, you know, athletes use mantras all the time. And part of what they're doing is they're creating a positive state, you know, in their mind so that they continue to do what they're doing. And so if someone has tremendous rider fear, you know, developing a mantra that you tell yourself, like, I make good decisions, I'll make the right decision for my horse. And then following and trusting yourself that you'll follow through with that can help alleviate that. Yeah. I usually just take a shot of bourbon and get on the horse. Well, that would be a quicker way. (laughs) (laughs) Quicker way to get the same result, maybe. All right. Speaking of quick, we're just about out of time. I got one last question for you, Gail. Sure. Who's your favorite parade horse and why? Oh, boy. I can't answer that. I mean, I guess I have to go with my horse, Bunny, because she's the one that I've spent the most time with. But my little pony, Pumpkin, God bless that little pony's heart. I mean, she has been such a tremendous comfort horse. And I just trust her with my grandson to ride her. Like she's the horse that anybody, you know, anybody that's short can ride. And I have a lot of trust for her. Well, I thought you would so, say Wyatt. I yeah, I was love about Wyatt. Wyatt. I do love Wyatt. He's, he's always going to be a special horse. Um, he made me laugh a lot because he sticks his tongue out of his mouth the whole time. So he like wags yeah. his tongue at the crowd. He's, so he he's makes my like, horse. all the for kids the, laugh. For those of you that don't know, he's my horse and he's a standard bread and he just wags his tongue at the crowd the entire parade. Well, I do want to say one other thing. Um, so uh, your listeners may or may not know, Maggie, that you, Audrey, Vicki Pritchard and myself put together a parade training booklet and it's called Parade Readying Your Horse. And we're hoping to launch that to Kindle. It would be a very short read. Um, and that's coming out here pretty soon. Um, so I just wanted to put that out very there so people can be looking for that. Thank you so much, Gail, for being with us. We appreciate you taking your time, time out to talk to us about parades and side saddle and all the fun stuff today. 
Once again, Nut Butter is an employee-owned company that manufactures sunflower seed, cashew, tahini, almond, and peanut butters. Once again, also makes a variety of snack crackers. This organic and natural food manufacturer is located in rural western New York. They are dedicated to quality products and environmental sustainability. You buy from them because you know that for over four decades, once again, has represented some of the highest social and environmental standards in the organic food industry. So feel good while you eat well. Once again, nutbutter.com. So Maggie, I got the opportunity to ride with you to uh, Briarfest this, what was yeah. that, two weekends ago? That was kind of fun. I, I got to do a where in the world, you know, I, I felt special. But yeah. where, where are you today? <laughs> Um, today I'm at home, but I've been everywhere. Oh my goodness, we've been <laughs> everywhere. Well, your husband came and and visited. Um, the first I think he left what July first or second. Yeah, um, he yeah. studied with my guy, learning how to work on saddles. And then he left, and July fourth, we were in Dublin, Ohio, for uh, a parade there. Um, we. Tess drove some new costumes for that. We we were kind of going for a Mary Poppins theme. Um, and it was hot and miserable, but we all had a great time. <laughs> and I was home for like, let's see, that was the fourth. We left the sixth when I got off work for um, a trip through New England. We had a blowout before we even got out of Ohio on the camper. So we're changing oh the God. tire at the side of the highway at 10 o'clock at night. It was awesome. <laughs> and uh, got to a truck stop, just spent the night in the parking lot. We didn't even find a place to camp. We just, this is good. Pull over. We're going to bed. Um, got to take a ferry across Lake Champlain to Grand Isle, Vermont, where we taught um, a private lesson there and did a fitting with a, a wonderful lady. Sarah Pettit, we had a great time at her home. Um, she let us plug in our camper there. Um, and then we went to somewhere else in Vermont. I have no idea where we were. We were on top of a mountain on a one-lane gravel road, dragging that camper straight up the side of a hill. I don't know where we were. <laughs> it was scary. Um, but we taught a mini clinic to three ladies on um, fell ponies. How oh, fun. So that was really cool. Um, they're a little bit of a challenge to fit because they have short backs and they're round. Um, <laughs> but we had a, we had a good time, and uh, one of the ladies bought a saddle. And from there, we went to Monmouth, Maine, and we taught two full days there. And I was mm. like, "What am I going to teach for two days?" <laughs> and they they had two separate groups, so. It was great. Um, the Saturday group was all kids. And most of the horses that they had were rescues that only walk. So I'm like, okay, well, we can't teach trot or canter or posting trot or jumping. So we did a lot of weaving in and out of cones. And then they drug out one of those giant horse balls. And the oh. kids played soccer, side saddle. It was awesome. <clears throat> awesome. Yeah. And then play side saddle said, soccer. And then they said, can we go get ice cream? It's hot. <laughs> so they hooked up the mini to a cart and I drove the mini and we went down to the corner store with all of them riding side saddle 
and we got ice cream. Awesome. It was great. And the next day we had adults and they all decided that ice cream was a fantastic idea. And, uh, so I think we all, well, yeah, totally the idea. Yeah. And that clinic was really cool. There was a lady there. She was an older lady. Um, I don't want to misspeak, but I think she was late sixties, maybe. Um, um, and she brought her horse, some warm blood Andalusian-y looking beautiful horse and a saddle that she bought 10 years ago for like 50 bucks. And she said, I, I don't know if this is any good. I think it probably needs some work done on it. We put it on her horse. It fit her horse. It fit her. Um, it needed new billets, so she couldn't ride it that day. But she was thrilled to find out. And, you know, she so she rode my saddle to the store and got ice cream. And she says, this has been my bucket yeah. list. I'm having a great time. When are we leaving for Gettysburg? Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so, um, and then we did... Another fitting, a fitting and a lesson, and one more fitting on the way home. Oh, and we went fishing and then one the day. breakdown. Yeah, we we managed to to make a little bit of money on this trip. So I took Brian um, fishing out of Kennebunkport, Maine. So, and he didn't catch any fish, and I did. Oops. Uh, then but, he broke down again. And we broke down again on the way home, and it was middle of the night. Uh, well, we were, and we were in Ohio. We all, we almost made it home. We were like two and a half hours from home, and um, AAA couldn't find us a tow truck. Uh, the highway patrol couldn't find us a tow truck, so we unhooked the camper and left it there on the side of I seventy and went to a gas station and slept in the back seat of the truck. And, of course, we had the cat with us, so she's back and forth. She doesn't understand why we're sleeping in the truck and we're not going to bed in the camper. And so the next morning we got up and started hunting for a tire shop that had a tire. The sixth shop we went to had a tire. So we get back oh to the camper, and Brian's getting the the thing jacked up and getting the new t- the new tire on the camper. Highway patrolman pulled in behind us. I looked up. Squeak had locked us out of the truck. <laughs> Gotta love that cat. Well, and then I, I showed up at your house. We went to Briarfest. Yeah, that was like a day later. That was an experience. Yeah, I had one yeah. day at home, and then we're packing for Briarfest, taking everything out of the camper and putting it in the horse trailer. <laughs> yep. Yeah, so that was awesome. And then last weekend... Um, well, I guess by the time this airs, it'll be the weekend before last. Uh, I drove through Illinois, taught two private lessons, and then a clinic in Wisconsin. Drove home, and I have a weekend off this month. Huzzah. I know. That's always fun. Yeah, so I'm going to go to the wilds and look at the, all the animals. And then where are you headed to after that? In case any of our listeners want to hit up a clinic or anything. Uh, August, I've got a clinic in my neck of the woods. Out, in, August twentieth. Yeah. August twentieth. I'm uh, in what's the name of that town? Clarence, Clarence Center, Center, New York. And oh, we got a week at the county fair with the grandkids. She's showing side saddle for the first time this year, so that'll be exciting. And then the twenty seventh, I am in Milford, Ohio, all day for a clinic. And the twenty 
8th, I am outside of Indianapolis all day for a clinic. Well, and lastly, you're going to be September Labor Day weekend up here again for the Allegheny Trail Ride. Yeah, that'll be fun. Can't wait. Yeah, it'll be definitely fun. Well, you can learn more about riding side saddle on our website, americansidesaddleassociation.com, our Facebook page, American Side Saddle Association, or on our YouTube channel. And you can follow Horses in the Morning on Facebook. Just search for Horses in the Morning. You can have all of the Horse Radio Network shows with you wherever you go with our free app for iPhone and Android. Go to your app store and search Horse Radio Network. Thanks so much to our sponsors, the American Side Saddle Association, and once again, Nut Butter. Semper Obliquo. That's Latin for always cider. Thanks.